Welcome to A Different Way of Traveling. This is a podcast where we discuss travel for persons with disabilities and special needs in South Africa and beyond with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to the 59th episode of A Different Way of Travelling, a podcast on accessible travel brought to you by Accessible South Africa. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Today in the interview, we're chatting to Brian Bushway, We're talking to him about the subject of echolocation, using hearing as a tool to help navigate the world, and not just for blind and partially sighted travelers. By the way, during the interview, my dog Onyx had something to say on the topic. But then again, seeing as he is himself partially sighted, maybe he was just putting his own echolocation skills to the test. Anyway, let's dive into that interview with Brian Bushway of Acoustic Athletics. Today on A Different Way of Traveling, we're joined by Brian Bushway all the way from LA in the United States of America. Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's great to have you with us. Well, thank you. Um, it's privilege to just be part of it. I'm excited for the conversation that we're going to have. I'm excited to hear. We're going to be talking a lot about travel, about your life and about echolocation, which is something that I haven't yet had the opportunity to explore on the podcast. But to start with, can you just give us a brief, sketchy overview of who is Brian Bushway? Mm. You ask a very difficult question because <laughs> it's like because I guess it's a travel thing. So we'll start from a travel angle in in this. So I I'm a teacher, but I teach around the world. I teach human perceptual abilities. How do we use all of our senses in new ways? And it's this programming has taken me all around the world. I've been from Calcutta, India, working with orphanages of visually impaired, uh, you know, in hospitals in Calcutta, India, to Armenia, Croatia, all over Europe, worked in ministries in Africa, uh, you know, specifically Malawi, where we were building schools. And so, but what is unique is everyone always knows if you lose one sense, do the other senses get stronger? And the answer is yes. And that's kind of what I teach. How do we increase our perceptual capacity? And for me as a young person at the age of 14, I learned all this because I lost my ability to see Patterns of light. I became blind at the age of 14. 
I was low vision for many years, season life. And then one day I woke up and I just couldn't see anymore. And that's when I had to start leveraging all of my other senses to start informing me on the things that perhaps you know I was missing or were in the blind spots. And, and, and that just brought me on this life journey of, wow, yes, the other senses can get better, can get stronger. But what's the coolest thing that we've done in as you know, from a teacher perspective, in the last 20 years, science has proven that the human brain actually images with sound. And MRI scans showed all this. So the object rec- recognition parts of the brain are activated by reflections of echoes. So the human being can see in the dark. We, our brain is so cool. We've been so gifted that our brain has two abilities to perceive physical space, whether you process it patterns of light or sound. And then they happen to call it echolocation. Which is something that we'll be diving a little bit deeper into as we chat further. But I want to take a slight sidestep and chat about something else very quickly that you're involved in. And I see this from your LinkedIn profile, mountain biking. Yes. Tell me about that. Uh-oh. Tell me about how you experience mountain biking. I mean, it's amazing. Like once when I lost my vision, I thought I would never ride my bike again. And then I developed this skill of being able to image acoustically echolocation, which means you can perceive objects in front of you by sound. So that means, yeah, you have the freedom to pilot your own body around cars, curbs, things, but then you want to take it to the next level, put yourself on a bike. And I was fortunate enough to be with some other people who were like, because we can ride bikes independently, because we can perceive our environment on our own, what if we take it to the mountain biking, take it to the trails? Well, that works, but we need some different modifications. So we put a, a, a plastic zip tie, a sound source on the bike, so it makes a noise, so we can hear the bikes in front of us. But we're now off of a tandem. We're piloting our own bikes independently. And yeah, I, you know, as a teenager, I started riding my bike using active echolocation where I could click, identify where objects were, following the sound source of the bikes in front of me, giving me direction of where the trail was to go. And I was able to then ride bikes independently. But it was so much of a cool experience because... I had freedom of movement. I was piloting myself, navigating around these things, using my own perception to be in the moment, to just localize on the sound source of the bike in front of me. And he was able to ride mountain bikes and like do steep hills, ride stairs, do things that sighted people look at and go, whoa. I, I would <laughs> And that. I suppose if you... 
if you ask the, sort of the, the general person in the street if you know a blind person could pilot a, a bike, they would probably say no. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should learn a little bit more about echolocation and what it is and how it works. So what can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's so simple. Everyone's already doing it. It's just echolocation or the ability to see in the dark is something that we're all born with. We just haven't been taught to do. It's kind of like a quiet sense. But once you activate it, the brain goes, aha, give me more. And it's simply this. Sound reflects off of objects. And we can tell where and what they are. It's called echolocations. What's bats use, dolphins, whales. But turns out humans have been using echolocation since the beginning of time. There's all these great stories of antiquity, of people, you know, operating. You know, we lived in caves and we before the invention of fire. And we had all these great dependencies on artificial light. We were using the sense of hearing in so many more powerful ways. But then as things you know, progressed, we all became dependent on patterns of light. And light works in the same concept as sound. Light reflects off of the wall. The reason why people see colors is because the, you know, the, the light absorbs and then reflects based upon you know, the, the contrast or whatever is painted on the wall. So it's reflection of light. And then with echolocation, it's reflection of sound, but it creates a three-dimensional space in the brain. And that's the cool part about all of this. The vision is a good distance sense. But if you don't have the ability to process patterns of light, the next best sense to get information in the distance is hearing and then hearing can also create object recognition like tree to what degree Mm -hmm. do you actually get detail from yeah well they measured it yeah they measured it so like from a sided perspective they measured it that a person who's using an active echolocation signal an active signal like a tongue click or a hand clap or a cane tap and they're trained and the brain is sort of adapted. They have an awareness, which is equivalent to a person's peripheral vision, a person who sees 2020 in their peripheral vision. That's what an active echolocator gets the acuity of, which is a lot more information than nothing, which when everyone says blindness means nothing it's kind of a bad term because there's so much more awareness and so we're kind of in this like weird confusion and conversation of the the labels what we put on people and the awareness just doesn't sort of match up so you can it's but it's more like this for my world it's a world of fuzzy geometry 
And you can make I it like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> As a description. It's a world of fuzzy geometry. You're not getting all the details of this or that, but you're getting the general features and shapes. But guess what? A banana tree, because of its broad leaves, reflects sound so brilliantly different than a pine tree with its thin needle, you know, leaves. They sound very differently. But when you train the brain to pay attention to every object's sonic signature, it gets coded. Every cider person forgot how they learned how to see. But as we were young kids learning how to develop and integrate our senses, we went through this whole process. And it was called play. But when you lose a major sense like vision or someone has to like, or you don't even have to lose your major sense in order to do all this. Like this is already built and hardwired in all of our brains. You don't have to wait to lose a major sense to take advantage of the things we're talking about today. There's a brilliant world of subtleties of acoustic images that just is a beautiful landscape of experience. And it's this world of fuzzy geometry, but there's real presence to objects and things because sound is reflecting off of them. I just thinking about, you know, from someone who maybe hasn't thought about their world from the perspective of sound, even traveling in a car, when a car goes into a tunnel, it sounds different. Yes. And you're talking of that kind of awareness of being aware and using the the sound around us as a way of navigating in our world. Yeah, the fact that you always can understand that, oh, a tunnel sounds different than open space. We, we You would use that. So most entryways are in an alcove or a hollow. Doors are usually set back, you know, in a recessed area. So there's always a hollow sound when looking for an entry. Yeah, there's a sign, but sonically, you can click, listen for the hollow sound of the entryway, and you have a very good idea of where to go and navigate yourself into the one space. But the fact that you already know that, yeah, a tunnel sounds very different than not, that there's a reason. Those are all acoustic principles, and that's what we teach pulling out the subtleties of the environment to make one more aware to use all of this information to travel around. Talking about travel, I can see all sorts of different applications where in one's home life and within a travel environment and a tourism environment where echolocation could be used but I'd love to hear a few of your ideas about how someone with a good awareness, a good consciousness of sound as a navigation tool, how could that be applied to a person going to an unfamiliar place, sightseeing or experiencing a new place? Can you give me a couple of, I'm going to say concrete examples of how you think it would add to the tourist experience? Well, the fact that there's a whole aesthetic environment that most people are not talking about because everything is so visually driven. But 
buildings. Like you go to the Louvre. I spent many time in the Louvre and in Paris and the building itself is its own beautiful phenomenon of an expression of art. And then you have all these other pieces that are hanging on the walls. Yeah. You may not be accent, you know, like you watching or listening or seeing the visual images, but there's people around you to experience all this, but there's physical space. There's so much more to appreciate. There's like, and this is the, I guess this is the concept. Like the premise of the conversation is why would a blind person go sightsee? Well, the fact now that we're introducing in the conversation, hey, the blind person can actually image with sound takes the premise of that whole question away. I remember standing on top of the Eiffel Tower when I was 20 and just being mesmerized by the beautiful cascading sounds of the cars moving down below. And there's this whole vista perspective because you're at the top of this place and you can walk around it and you can hear the entire city of the movement and things happening below. But people can image with sound. So it's not like... And then most times when people go into places, you're not just experiencing things from one sense through vision. Every experience and we're creating our reality through a combination of all of our senses coming together. So this whole idea of traveling, of course I want to go travel. Like my favorite, one of my most favorite recent memories is my wife and I, we went to Iceland in the winter where it's only light for four hours in the day. But we we got ourselves on a tour and we went to the biggest glacier in North America. And this is the white wall that's featured on Game of Thrones. This is the glacier that they towed to the white wall. And we're on this glacier driving in this big truck. And we get off and then the whole tour walks into this ice cave. Wow. <laughs> the ice cave sounded so amazing right like because it's this it sounds like the tunnel you referenced before but it's an ice cave so the sound it's not made of concrete it's made of it's made of melting ice so the fact that it's even changing shape in the moment is changing the sound the bulbous features of the ice because it's ice it's rounded there's not really many hard structures so it's all this rounded experience. Now it sounds similar, like in my mind, like I've clicked at many solid objects before, but yet the ice cave was a new novel acoustic vocabulary that I had to bring into reference points. And that's the thing. Like we as people try to put our world and catalog things into the past but we may have new experiences. So the new experiences that we have should really update the past because we're living. There's new frontiers to conquer. 
There's new things to explore. There's new things to see. But if we're always trying to go, oh, this isn't, you know, it doesn't fit into my past experiences, then we're negating the life that we're currently living. So it's, it's a complicated question because there's so much reason to go out and find new novel experiences. <laughs> like that's why we want to go live, right? This way we all want to travel. We want to go do find a new thing to be excited about. So yeah. it, it, and then the fact that human beings can see objects and image in the dark and blind people can go perceive things and every, even side of people with 2020, they're standing on the same Eiffel Tower as I did. And guess what? We're having 95% of the same experience. Mm-hmm. It's only all of the ideas that somehow one sense is more important than the other. Did other people pay attention that the Eiffel Tower was swaying? It moves. It's so <laughs> tall. This thing moves in the wind. Right? Like, that was more shocking to me that here's this brilliant structure of human amazing, you know, human accomplishment and the things swaying with the way of the wind. Yeah. I remember <clears throat> standing at that same spot and I think I was more concerned that I was about to be tossed off the Eiffel Tower because I also didn't expect it to be swaying in the breeze. The fact that I was running a fever at the time, of course, made it a little more extreme. But it, I can I can understand a lot of what you're saying about almost the experience being 95% the same, just that we are using our other senses to add in to what a sighted person perhaps isn't aware that they are observing. Yeah. I mean, because so humans, we've got to give ourselves credit, right? We got also in this conversation, let's all give ourselves a little bit of patience, a little bit of grace. We construct our reality through whatever our dominant sense is. And so for most people, their dominant sense is vision. And so when they're experiencing something, even though the other senses may have been informing the moment, everyone just remembers it, oh, as a visual picture. And so, yeah, yeah, but it's really the visual picture is more of this like composite of all of these other senses, the moment when you ask and reflect on things it's it's you start breaking out like that's what really make the moments of all the little details the subtleties that can get captured so it's just i don't know i'm just kind of sometimes at a loss because i'm just like wait a second like my life is full (laughs) and rich like what are you talking about like like I don't have to, I, why am I feeling like I have to justify my experience of the beauty of the world when it's there? You know, like it's real. It's on the expression of my face. Like these are fun things to go do. Like get outside of the box and go live. So 
but yeah, but because people construct reality through their dominant senses, they tend to have a certain filter. And that's kind of what we're helping everyone come to this conversation with acoustic athletics and what I teach and everything else is like, wow, our other senses are really informing us in way more powerful ways. And we don't, we don't have to fear. Like we don't have to live in fearing of not seeing patterns of light because there's so much more life still to experience in all of the other senses. And that's what we're already bringing life into, but they're just calling it vision. Before we get onto the, the, the subject of the work that you're doing, teaching sighted people around how to integrate their other senses as well, I want to just go back to a point around travel as a visually impaired or um, partially sighted person or a blind person and looking at our other O&M skills because I'm, I'm kind of aware I am very sensitive to sound and one of my most I'm going to use the word debilitating because I do feel that it does impact on me in a very negative way is in traveling in places like train stations because of all of the masking noise. There's noise of people rushing around trying to get on and off their trains. There's the noise of trains. There's noise of announcements. There's so much audio coming in. How does one make sense when there's that amount of audio happening? How do you make sense of what you're hearing and isolate something to turn it into a useful source of information? Well, you're absolutely correct in identifying that you're walking into an overwhelming situation, right? Our senses are overload. It's overwhelming sensory overload ah we're freaking out it actually has a visceral reaction that's what the time and training and patience comes into play right that's why the whole idea is the army has boot camp right you don't send a soldier to war without going through boot Mm -hmm. camp because boot camp is moving this person through increasingly challenging situations to push their threshold of of sensory overload. So part of it is training, right? Like w- strategically understanding what it what are the most important sounds to listen for and to focus on. And that's why we have this whole specialty of orientation mobility because it draws out and helps people go in these situations like a loud train station, here's the most important sounds to pay attention to because it's going to be the most strategic thing to help you get to where you want to be. But by the way, a train station for a person who's 2020 vision is also overwhelming. (laughs) That is true. 
so like I feel like a lot of these questions is like it's not a blindness or decided thing. This is just a human thing, right? These are just how do humans use and engage an overwhelming situation? It's the same principles, and that's what I learned through my life. I didn't have to strategically become cool at being a blind person. I just had to become a better human being. And then all of my other insecurities about blindness and visual impairment sort of started becoming less. So as I started moving and trying to become a more full human first, all my visual impairment things started falling in the background because we're actually living the same experience of confronting the unknown as everyone else with 2020 vision. We just have to arm ourselves with the adaptive and creative strategies to know, you know, how to handle that. So it's really about, you know, experience in a loud translation, training for it, and then prioritizing what are the most important things to listen to. Because it's a very overwhelming situation for all people. And then that's yeah. why we can help not even the visually impaired, but like I help I help my sighted friends when they travel to new places and they're going overseas because I've, you know, circumferenced the world multiple times. I'm like when you go to an airport, here's what you need to think about. Because it's, it's, we're humans first. True. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of the work that you're doing, teaching sighted individuals about how to better become aware and incorporate the information that they're receiving from their other senses, including their hearing. Yeah. So I've been working, you know, for the last like 10 years with the visually impaired population traveling around the world. And then my professional friends who are professional athletes started approaching me and saying, I think we could benefit from this perceptual training because there's like training of physicality. And then there's how do you just use what we already got better? Our sense of feeling and things. So with that, because they asked, we I came into this new area, and then as we with acoustic athletics, we started doing more research and we started finding, wow, professional athletes from the beginning of time have been doing blindfold training, other type of balance, proprioceptive, vestibular, using. There's more than five senses, by the way. We just commonly think about it, but there's, there's, you know, there's more of how our body works and how we think and, and move things. And when you watch these athletes who are performing at these brilliant levels, they're training jujitsu. The greatest guys in jujitsu are just training under blindfold because they know that their dominant sense is feeling for the sport. Tyson Fury in boxing, who's the world champion right now, he practices 60% under blindfold because he knows that 
he's operating in spaces where his vision doesn't serve him as well as it does to be intimately involved in his sensors, you know, in his sensory capacity on a, on a, on a smaller level. Like, you know, he has to move. He's feeling the hit come off his body on his left shoulder. Bam. The guy jabbed me. Mm, The guy walled me on the right. He's using the contact of the person to feel and anticipate where the movement is. So our, our body is one big perceptual antenna. Our body is one big perceptual antenna. And that's what these athletes are seeing. And then they started asking, how can we train this up? And how can we get better at it? And how can we? And it's the same things that we're doing with the visually impaired population of increasing everyone's sensory quotient, their sensory capacity, their sensory awareness. And professional athletes have been doing this. And so they started coming to us. And so that's when we started just like, hey, yeah, of course we'll help you. Right? We're here, we're here to help everybody. Like anyone who wants to become better at what they do from a perceptual perspective, hey, of course. That makes sense to me. That's when I was a teen, young teenager, when I was struggling, lost in my bedroom, I, I, I found people who were pushing the boundaries forward of what was possible. And I just simply walked up and introduced myself and, and became friends with them. And then we just learned. I just got close to the people who I thought were doing things that like I wanted to become. And I was just really lucky in that sense. But I also was strategic in putting myself in the people that I thought like, wow, these guys are doing something. And, and then we teach other people. I'm not an exception to the rule. We, I teach as a living. I was taught this skill and there's a, just a huger huge huger is not even a word there's a larger conversation to all of this and that's what just gets me excited about like i I must say from my perspective there's parts of me that smiles at the thought of tools and techniques that are used by essentially primarily people with a visual impairment Mm. And taking those same tools and techniques and teaching them to people who are considered experts in their field Mm -hmm. to give them an edge to make them better. Mm -hmm. There's a part of me that really likes that. So I think it's amazing work that you're doing in that area. And it's great to know. If people would like to connect with you and follow what you're doing, find out a little bit more, how can they do that? Yeah, they can go to acoustic athletics.com brianbushwood.com and there it is brianbushwood.com acoustic athletics social media yeah same names great and we'll also link to those websites in the show notes Mm -hmm. so as a final question brian okay what advice would you give? Oh, I'm feeling the pressure. To someone. <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who is blind or partially sighted 
who's considering traveling for the first time, they're going overseas or going to a new place, what advice would you give them on how to approach that to, to make their experience special? Get up and move. Get up, stand up. Move. Just go try it. Life is messy. It's 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 gonna be uncomfortable. It's expected. It's a normal human thing. Anytime someone moves into the unknown, it's always challenging. So hopefully these people who move into these new places go try, but communicate to the people around you. Hey, I'm going to try this new thing and we're going to develop something new. Move. If you're not moving, your brain is not integrating movement. You cannot from a perceptual development standpoint, if you're not moving, you're not learning. You can't think your way into a more physicality experience. Like if anyone is moving around and feeling uncomfortable as they're moving, some of it's, most of it's psychologically, but then yeah, the other half is really physically. Like how well is one connecting with their environment? Is their cane touching the ground? But you're, you you gotta move. You gotta try. Go get the experiences and then get the experiences and then contact Acoustic Athletics and we'll help everyone debrief it. <laughs> that the, sounds like a great place to, yeah. to, do, to end this off. So, exactly. Brian, thank you so much for sharing some of your insights, your experience and your thoughts on sound as the tool, as a technique for human beings to navigate our world more effectively. It's been really great chatting to you on the podcast. Thank you for the opportunity to chat to you. Thank you so much. It's my my pleasure. We've got some exciting news to share with you. From now on, we're going to be making a few changes to the podcast. Up till now, we've been focusing almost entirely on the topic of travel for persons with disabilities. Instead, We're going to be shifting that focus and talking more broadly about life for persons living with a disability. Employment, education, the arts, sport, leisure, you name it, we're going to be touching on those topics. That means also a new name for the podcast. We're keeping it within the brand, so it's going to be called a different way of seeing, which is the title of one of my books that is available through Amazon or through my website on loisstrachen.com. It does mean that we will no longer be hosted by Accessible South Africa, and we'd really like to express our thanks to them for their amazing support we've received from them in the past years. Deirdre, Damien and their team have been absolutely amazing and we totally love the work that they are still doing as Accessible South Africa and the Warrior on Wheels Foundation and we wish them every success in their endeavours. What does that mean for you 
as a regular listener of the show? Absolutely nothing. Even though the name of the show is changing, it'll still be available in the same place in your podcast player. You won't even need to search for the new title. It will all happen automatically. So it's just going to be the same. We really thank you for joining us on the journey of looking at travel with us on a different way of traveling. And we hope that you will stay with us as we branch out into new areas, new arenas, and talk even more deeply about life and opportunities, challenges, and lived experiences of persons with disabilities in a different way of seeing. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za, on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa, and on Twitter at AccessibleSA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Editing by Craig Stratton using Hinderberg software. Our theme music is by Lu Chil Chow, based on a motif by Lloyd Stratton. Credits read by Musa Izulu. Thank you for joining us on a different way of traveling. We'll see you next time. Until then, happy travels.